Popcorn in a Movie. I'm Selena. I'm David. Today we are going to be reviewing The Upside and Glass. Hope you guys enjoy. We're going to go ahead and start out with The Upside. The Upside is an American remake of the French film Intouchables, which is based on a millionaire quadriplegic hiring an ex-con as his caretaker. And this is a true story. It's been that I actually looked on Wikipedia before we did this. This is, I think, the third remake of this. It's the first American remake, but I think there were two other remakes before this. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, it's... It's pretty incredible to see this story being told so many different times in so many different countries. I haven't seen any of the ones before this, so I couldn't tell you how it compares, how they compare to them. Honestly, this just felt like we just had Green Book. Mm-hmm. And Green Book was the hiring of a white guy by a black man. This is the hiring of a black man by a white guy. And we see this so many times where they form these great relationships. I don't really see why this is... It can bring interesting chemistry from two unlikely actors. Like having Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart together is actually pretty good to watch for the most part. I think what happens is the script is too reliant on a lot of Kevin Hart's old comedic bits. Which I kind of want to see him more in the dramatic role. Because I think he would actually be good as a dramatic actor and kind of cut down a little bit more on his jokes. Yeah, because there were some jokes in here that were very leaning more toward his older style that was in the sort of homophobic kind of stance. Like when he has to change out the catheter and he has to change out and when he has to do other things that are very much like him. And it, it's it's kind of funny that, well, yeah, kind of funny to see this now that he's gotten in hot water for all of his old homophobic tweets from way back in the day that have led people to calling him out on Twitter and now he's no longer hosting the Oscars and so to have these jokes in this movie following all that backlash it's like and not really bad timing because this movie's from 2017 and then it just got delayed because of the whole Harvey Weinstein thing um who was the original distributor now they picked it up and released it then and I I don't really see why people have been saying this is a good, uplifting movie. It just feels very standard. It looks very... The digital camera work does not look good. No, it doesn't. But I can see why people are saying it's a good, uplifting movie. Because you see the trouble that Brian Cranston has when he's quadriplegic. Mm -hmm. He's looking for people who don't treat him differently and actually see him for him. So for him to actually find somebody that's like Kevin Hart, an ex-con, to actually see him for him helps change his life and actually makes him want to live instead of being all mopey every single day. And we should also mention that Kevin Hart's character, uh, we said he's an ex-con, but he's also trying to get back into his son's life and also his ex's life, but they never mentioned if they were married or if they were just boyfriend-girlfriend. Yeah, it was kind of weird that they didn't mention that because he is trying to change for the better because he doesn't want his son to grow up like how he grew up without a father. Mm -hmm. That relationship never really went anywhere for me. It was there, and then they just kept on going back to it to try to get a more dramatic feel out of it. And I'll agree with you that I do want to see more Kevin Hart in dramatic films. This is kind of a start. It just doesn't really give him much. And then when he's with Cranston, they're great together. They actually are 
lot of fun to watch together. Now, as much as I actually like watching them work together because it's really good, I couldn't get into a lot of the characters. And it's really upsetting that like Nicole Kidman had a pretty good spot in here mm-hmm. that I could not get into her character. It was very blah. She was, and it sucks too because she's had a pretty great year the last year with Boy Erased. She was pretty good in that mm-hmm. one. Uh, she's getting a lot of recognition for Destroyer, which we haven't seen yet. And then you see her here, and she's just there. She plays his executive, I think yeah. is what he calls her. And there's a little bit of back and forth, like Kevin Hart says, oh, you know, so you're into him. You think he, you like him, or something like that. He's accusing her of being interested in... Well, he's Brent accusing Prince. both of them for being interested in each other, but mm-hmm. they both deny it. Also, I want to mention, it's explained that Kevin Hart, or not Kevin Hart, uh, Brian Cranston's character is paralyzed because of a skydiving accident, which... No, paragliding. Or paragliding, sorry. In which his wife was killed. Uh, no, his wife died of cancer. <laughs> You're right. Were you watching this movie, or yes, were you uh, shushing that couple behind us? Actually, yeah, I think... I had to go... Well, first off, I had to get up and close the door because someone didn't close it for us, which they should do. And then we had the couple behind us talking a couple times. I had a couple... Not a couple, but a group of people talking next to me. Mm-hmm. And so you had to shush them a couple times. But even though we had those distractions, I did try to focus on the movie and actually watch the movie. I still couldn't get into it, though. I kept on trying for these to see where the convincing performances, or not really convincing performances, but convincing moments are in the movie that would draw, like, some kind of emotional reflex or something like that. And It was really hard for me to do that, too. It just felt very standard. It felt very, you know, here's this same movie that you've seen over and over again. Like I said, we just had Green Book, which is reverse on that, but it's kind of the same layout where they form this unlikely chemistry together, and they learn to like each other even during the hardest times when they don't understand where the other person's coming from. But I do like Ryan Cranston in, in this. I think he's pretty good. He's obviously not as bad as, as good as Breaking Bad. And Which I never saw. Yes, I can't I get know. into it. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then Kevin Hart. I'm not really the biggest fan of Kevin Hart. I avoid a lot of his movies. I think I saw Central Intelligence and maybe one other of his movies and he's just not really something I can... Oh, The Secret Life of Pets. That was the other one I saw of his. Oh, yeah. Which, watching that one again, it is very... I'm surprised that people have been actually able to show that to kids, because it's very violent for... No, oh, it is, especially Kevin Hart's character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's a very violent bunny. Yeah, and, like, there are some moments that work in that movie, but the more... I think the second time I watched it, I was like, okay, it's not as good as I remember. And then the third time I watched it with your nieces, Mm -hmm. I was like, I can't get into it. Like, the more I watch it, the lesser I like it. See, and the problem is, I think, especially with Kevin Hart, we see him as a certain character. So they kind of typecasted a Mm. little bit, which is kind of sad because I think he actually has the potential to do a lot more. Well, a lot of comedians like Kevin Hart have gone on to do great things. I mean, even... Well, Cedric the Entertainer is not really in the same kind of crass league as Kevin Hart is, but, you know, when he when Cedric the Entertainer did first performed, he was great in that. Richard Pryor did a film years ago, I can't remember the name of it, but it was a more dramatic approach, and he was really good in that one, too. So you see a lot of these comedians who go off into these dramatic roles, and they're actually really good. Kevin Hart, I think, has potential, but the upside just doesn't do anything for him because it has those dramatic moments and then it's like okay we're not ready to push 
the boundaries yet and give him these really funny lines that are not like him. They're giving him funny, funny lines, in quotes, that are more his style. I kind of want to see him verge a little bit away from that funny style of his, maybe in a more witty, funny kind of style, and see how he works with that and rolls with it. And that might actually, if the jokes were more witty, might work better for this type of movie, too. I can see him. I I do want to see him go for something that's witty, almost in, like, the Coen Brothers sense. The Coen Brothers, you know, doing something like um, Burn After Reading or Hail Caesar or, you know, something along those lines where it's their style, their kind of weird style, but it has Kevin Hart trying it out. I... It sounds like an odd mix-up, and I don't don't really think it'll work, but it'd be worth a shot. Or having someone who, I'm trying to think of a good comedic director, maybe even Paul Feig, the guy that did um, Bridesmaids, and The Heat, and Spy, and the remake of Ghostbusters, Mm -hmm. and Simple Favor. I can see him working with Paul Feig pretty well if you give them the right script, but I just think that with this one, it's just very standard, and... It's over the course of six months that they're in this friendship because it starts off when he's rushing them to the hospital, mm-hmm. or he's being chased by the police actually, and yeah. also rushing them to the hospital. And, and then, then it also it gives you the six months earlier. So having their friendship over the six months, I can see it happen. You know, obviously it'll, it'll happen, but then at the same time, I just couldn't really buy this movie. I couldn't no. get into it. The characters were very standard. It's not something that is very moving. I did like that they put in the aspect of having a billionaire quadriplegic. That, to me, I think actually pulls a little bit more heartstrings. I mean, I'm pretty sure that is something that did happen. It's based on the true story. But it's also not a movie that you see a whole lot. Yeah, well, and the funny thing is this movie's actually received a lot of flack, not just because of Captain Hart, but also because of Brian Cranston playing a character who's quadriplegic, and Brian Cranston's not. He's mm-hmm. a very able-bodied person. People want to see more people, more actors that are actually quadriplegic playing those types of roles, and I'm sorry, I can't get into that whole argument, because I'm sure there are actors out there that can do that, but when you are auditioning for a role, you have to fit a certain quota, and if you are of that character, you're actually that character and you're able to actually do as well as Brian Cranston mm-hmm. or do as, maybe not as well, but maybe like just to meet the standards of the script. Sure, that's mm-hmm. fine. But if you aren't as good as Brian Cranston or meeting the same, meeting around the same level as he is, then sorry, that's how Hollywood works. Yeah, very, very true. And I mean, honestly, it's just like any job or if you were a manager, you want to put the right person for the right job. Whether you're disabled, not disabled, whatever color, as long as you're right for the job, the job is yours. If you're not right for it, unfortunately, I'm sorry, we're gonna have to cut you or choose somebody else who's more perfect for the role, yeah. so to speak. And it sounds like we're straying a little bit and getting more into the political aspects of it, but at the same time, there have been a lot of issues coming up with this movie in terms of Kevin Hart and his past, and then Brian Cranston and his comments and everything that's come out about his role in the movie. But like for all the controversy that this movie's had, it's really not very good. No, and I'm surprised that a lot of people actually like it, but, and I am putting the pun on this, on the upside. Nah. (laughs) I did think that they did pretty good in their acting. They were pretty good in it. Yeah, no, I I definitely want to see Brian Cranston, or not Brian Cranston, Kevin Hart go for more of these dramatic kind of roles and see where it can take it. Because I, yes, he's kind of in a hole right now with everything that's come out, but I do want to see him kind of make a comeback and get more serious roles 
and see where that goes. And you know what's funny is if he gets more serious roles and actually gets recognized by the Academy, that'd be a major stab <laughs> in the Academy's back. Not in the back, but maybe just have to come in and think, hey, you know, you well he's quit from hosting the Oscars. He didn't get fired from hosting the Oscars. But it's just like, well now you guys are giving me recognition even though I'm facing all this backlash. You but, know, I have a question. Yes. So we all know timing is everything and everything. Mm -hmm. Now, if this movie actually came out when it was supposed to, mm -hmm. do you think we would have a different response than what we do now? I don't think so. I think even then when, because it premiered in 2017, and I think at Toronto uh, Film Festival, and I think even some of the reviews then were kind of like, okay, about the same as they are now. Mm -hmm. It's a very typical story. It's very much... You know, the same thing as Driving Miss Daisy or Green Book or other movies like that where they have a white person working for a black person or vice versa. And this one doesn't really explore a lot of, like, the whole racial issues or racial Which tensions. Which I was very thankful for that. And, you know, that's not the point of this movie, obviously, but it just feels like this story, that something like this gets told multiple times. And it doesn't matter... If this is based on a true story, which is, you know, it's actually a really good friendship, but how many other friendships are like are there like this that are based on true stories? Mm -hmm. There are so many of these that are based on true stories. And I don't know, I'm, I'm waiting for this kind of, this story to do something different than what we've already seen. And the upside doesn't do that for me. No, it does show a little bit of the vulnerability of being disabled. Mm -hmm. But that's just, it only gives you a little bit of that feel and a little bit of that touch. It doesn't give you a whole wider aspect of more of that vulnerability, you know, how you deal with it in the beginning, how you're going to be able to deal with it during, and then when you actually finally go into the acceptance of, okay, well, now I'm disabled, mm -hmm. so now I'm accepting it, and what am I going to do now with it? Yeah. So I think in the end, I will say the upside is not a good movie. I won't recommend it, but I will recommend the performances by Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston, even though I kind of wish the comedy would lead away from Hart's typical stuff. So I, I'm very split on this. I think I'll just say a five. Okay. <laughs> what are you saying? I gave it a five for at first. Okay. But then rethinking on some things and mainly because of the performances, I gave it a six. Because I did like watching them together. It was enjoyable. I won't say, hey, you gotta go see this now. Mm -hmm. I can wait, yeah. you know, until Redbox comes out or until if it ever gets on Netflix, I'll, I can wait on it. But it's something that I'll watch and just put in the background. Mm -hmm. It works as that. I mean, you might be able to glance here and there at it, but it's not really one that you have to, like, stop everything and watch it. And you won't get lost. No, it's very it's very straightforward. Yeah. So that's our view of The Upside, and now we'll move on to Glass. So Glass is the latest film from M. Night Shyamalan. It's the concluding chapter of what has been dubbed the East Rail 177 trilogy, and it takes place after the events of Split, in which we get to see all the characters from Unbreakable and Split come together in one movie. And I was really looking forward to this movie. I had high hopes, especially after seeing Split and seeing that the two films were connected, which was the big twist at the end of it. And nobody saw that coming. No. And then we get Glass, and it's like, okay, we have Glass. You know, this is kind of like an M. Night Shyamalan's wheelhouse. And I, at first, after the movie was over, I told myself I'm disappointed. The more I think about this movie, the more I'm like, I don't know exactly how I feel about it about this movie if I'm more 
I mean, I am disappointed, but I also like a lot of what they had in this movie. There are some things where it gets a little, actually, really exposition heavy. They get a lot of explaining things, like the whole explaining each portion of the comic books and the comic book movies, like, this is an origin story, this is this, this is that. There's a reason why. So, Unbreakable mm-hmm. is all David Dunn. Yeah. Split is... A Horde and Kevin, uh, Kevin, Gr- Kevin Crown. Thank you. And then you have Glass, which is actually Mr. Glass's story now. That is true. And, well, and I, I get that, but it just it feels like they're kind of laying out the whole thing. Of well, like, you oh. have to, because Mr. Glass is the mastermind. So he has to go into the origin of how mm-hmm. everything came together for him, how it pieces. And it's kind of as if he's telling a story. And don't forget, he looks at the world like a comic book. That is very true. And all three of these characters, when we start off in the beginning, they're all placed in a psychiatric ward. And they are told to... No. In the trailer, they're all placed in a psychiatric ward. But in the beginning, you actually see them individually. With an exception of Mr. Glass. True, true. Okay, but later on, they get placed in a psychiatric yes. ward. Um, and then That's when they get caught. You see them pretty much there for a good chunk of the movie. Mm-hmm. And they're being told by Sarah Paulson's character that... I didn't like her. See, the thing I love about Sarah Paulson is that we're getting her a lot more. Mm-hmm. Like, we got her in Ocean's 8, we got her in Bird Box, and now we have her in Glass. And she has been in a lot of stuff throughout the years. Like, she had a supporting role in Deadwood years ago. And then she did, like, American Horror Story. I think she's still on American Horror Story. But it's great to see her finally get more notice in big movies, especially like Glass and Ocean's 8. But her character goes around saying, you don't have superpowers. She's telling each of these people that they have a mental disability, that something's wrong with them, and they only think they have superpowers, but then they think that, oh, we actually do have superpowers. So what I liked about that was that it actually, during the movie, made me think, okay, so what if Captain America is just, this is all in his head? Or what if Superman, this is all in his head? You know, these people that do have superpowers, these characters that do have superpowers, that we've grown and known over the years, what if they actually do have a disability? I found that very interesting. See, I I can't buy that, Mm -hmm. because we all know that Superman's from a different planet, so there's no way they can think that. Maybe. I mean, there is a possibility. Then how can he fly, and how can he have beaming eyes, and be faster than a speeding bullet? Hey, there there is something. Not faster than a speeding bullet, come on. You never know. And we also know that with Captain America, it's injected some weird serum. That is true, but it made me think of like, okay, what about, or even like the Incredible Hulk. I guess he got hit by gamma radiation, Mm -hmm. but could his anger just be him lashing out and then he's only thinking that he's this big green monster? And yes, I know we see them, or we see other characters see him as the Hulk, but what if it's only like he thinks they see him as the Hulk kind of thing? So I found that very interesting. I found that whole, you know, let's take the comic book tropes and kind of give them a little spin on it. But what I didn't like was that a lot of the movie just kind of, there's a giant chunk of the movie where it just didn't really feel as interesting as I wanted it to be. And I know that the trailer kind of made it seem like it was going to be very action heavy, but that's not until like the last act of the movie. I appreciated that, but at the same time, it just really feel as engaging as I wanted it to be. James McAvoy is still great as, uh, Kevin, as Kevin Crumb. I also think that the novelty of when he played it in Split is a little gone, but he's still really having a lot of fun with the role. Mm-hmm. I think Sam Jackson, when he actually finally gets around to talking and being more active, is a lot of fun to watch. Bruce Willis is fine. He's better than he was in Death Wish. Yes, but I was still a little let down with this one because, I don't know, 
after watching Unbreakable and how incredible he was in that one and watching this and comparing both of it, this mm-hmm. one seemed a lot more toned down. It did. It almost seemed like they... And the funny thing is, it seems like, okay, you have Unbreakable, which is Data Dunn's story. You have Split, which is Kevin Wendell Crumb's story. Glass is supposed to be Samuel L. Jackson's story, but he's not active until, like, way later in the movie. Of course, like I said, he's the mastermind. In any kind of story, there's the mastermind. It is never revealed until the end. Like Wizard of Oz, you didn't, you don't know who's behind the curtain until you look behind the curtain at the end of the movie. That is true. I just kind of wanted there to be more focused on him since it's called Glass. It seemed like they had more focus on James McAvoy's character in this. Well, there needed to be because of the role that he plays, which we're not going to tell you. Yeah, this is a movie I could go on for a long time discussing and just analyzing and thinking about it. But then there's also so many spoilers if we do do oh, that, and boy. we don't want to do that here. Yeah, and there is a scene, or actually there are several scenes in the movie where James McAvoy's trapped inside the room, and if he goes past a certain point, it flashes him, and he changes characters, and that's a lot of fun to watch, you know, because he can go from being... Um, Hedwig to being Patricia, Patricia, you know, to being speaking Spanish and mm-hmm. to all these different things. And McAvoy, it's almost like done in one take, so he can just like just change characters like that. It's amazing, and I can't imagine how tiring it was for him to do all that. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of fun to watch. And when it gets actually to the twist ending, there are multiple twists in this movie. Mm-hmm. And the first one I saw coming, I'm like, okay, I can see that coming. Second one, I'm like. Okay, I guess that makes sense. And then another one later on, it's like, yeah, I mean, we've kind of come to know Amnesty Shyamalan as having a twist in this movie. He has either, you know, surprised us, like in The Sixth Sense, mm-hmm. or let us down in movies, say, like... The Village? The Village was a major disappointment for a lot of people. I actually never saw The Village. I haven't seen it either. And then even movies like The Visit, which I didn't like, but a lot of people did. That's when he was given this really small budget and, you know, told to do... Or not really told to do, but he was actually able to have more creative freedom with it. I wasn't a fan of it that much. I was okay with it, um... I mean, it did scare me, but I have my own reasons why, and mm-hmm. you know why. Knowing that he had a small budget to be able to do what he did there is actually not too bad. And the scary part is something like that really could happen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The thing is with M. Night Shyamalan, like, he can be very hit and miss, but what I like about him compared to other directors is, with the exception of The Last Airbender, Everything he's done has been based off what he has in his mind. And very few directors can say that. Very, very, very few directors can say that they have a studio release that's based off their own original idea. You know, speaking of Last Airbender, I did not know it was done by him. And after knowing it, I was so upset because Mm -hmm. that's not his style. And I loved watching the cartoon version Mm -hmm. of the Airbender. And then when I watched the movie, oh my goodness... Every single scene, I just wanted to yell at it because I'm such a big fan. Mm-hmm. And after watching the movie, I'm like, who did this? Yeah, but he's one of those directors where I kind of swore him off because back when The Sixth Sense came out, I was like, wow, that was amazing. You know, I didn't see that coming. And it's still a pretty good movie to watch. And then Unbreakable came out. When Unbreakable came out, I didn't like it at first. I, I know that you didn't watch it until after Split, and mm-hmm. it revealed the. Uh, there's a connectivity between the two movies. And then when you and I watched Unbreakable, I liked it more than I did the first time around. Wait, I watched it with you? Yes, you did. And I think I watched it twice. Oh, okay. Because I'm pretty sure I watched it in my room on my bed by myself. The first time I recall watching it, you watching it was with me when we watched it in your bed. Um, 
and then you might watch it again later on. I don't uh, remember. But. Oh, or maybe that time was with you. I just didn't remember you being there. <laughs> I love you too. Yeah. Huh. But <laughs> <laughs> um, going back to M. Night Shyamalan, he has so many great ideas and then he is either very hit or miss with them. So when I watched Unbreakable again, it's like, okay, I actually do like this movie. It's not perfect, but it's, it is good. And then Signs was, it took me, I think, three or four times to finally like Signs. My younger brother, youngest brother actually loves Signs. That was his movie growing up. And now I haven't watched Signs. Is that more of an analytical movie? Yes. Then I can see why he likes it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's more of an analytical movie, and it's it does have its scary moments here and there. Um, but I know it's with M. Night Shyamalan, people either go in and they say, oh, this is great, you know, or it's not so great. I think more people tend to lean more, hopping on the bandwagon of it not being so great. But I do appreciate the fact that he's able to get these studio movies and with the exception of Last Airbender and After Earth, those are his two bigger budget movies. All of his movies seem to be less than $100 million, and because Split was only made for $20 million. Or not Split, um, Glass was only made for $20 million. He actually does really well in terms of like camera work and everything else. And so maybe we should get him more movies with lower budgets. <laughs> yeah, you would think. I mean, Get Out was made for $5 million, and look what that did. Mm -hmm. And I think back to Glass, I... I'm very conflicted on this movie. I like a lot of it, but I'm also kind of like, I wish I was more into a lot of some of the other moments. See, and it's interesting that you're very split because... <laughs> as, hey, as much as we have the same taste in a lot of things, movies are, are ones where we either like it or it's a I kind of do and then you kind of don't. Mm -hmm. But with this... And I really hate to use puns, but I'm going to use another pun. Go ahead. People are split. Because yeah. after we watched the screening of it, we had a lot of, oh, I didn't like it. But then you also hear a couple people saying, oh, no, I loved it. It was great. Mm -hmm. and, and there are friends that, you know, we watched it with that we hear it from. And even today, when we watched another movie, we also heard the same thing that they really liked it. It's funny because I keep thinking about this movie. It's like, I don't exactly love it like there are a lot of movies I can go back and I can think about and say oh I love that I want to watch it again this is one where it's like I don't love it but I do want to watch it again because there's so much in it that I'm just like there's like so many interesting theories about the whole comic book world and especially nowadays when we have so many different comic book movies coming out that can get a little I do like watching them but at the same time a lot of them feel factory made especially nice. all the origin movies mm -hmm. like Black Panther and Doctor Strange and all the other ones that we're getting all these character introductions and it's just the same kind of movie they don't really do anything new to, for me to whereas Glass is a comic book movie not based on a comic book of any kind there's no original source material to it it's just a continuation of the unbreakable world this is one of those movies where I look at it and I like a lot of it and, you know, I can see this being very divisive and usually I'm on the side, I'm on the side of liking it as opposed to on the side of hating it. This one I'm just like, I don't know which side I'm on. This one, I didn't like it as much as I like the other two. It is still enjoyable to watch mm -hmm. and when they do come out with the DVD and I'm really hoping that they'll have like a little box set trilogy, I would love to buy it. Yeah, it's one of those where it's like, okay, I'm interested in seeing this again. I'm interested in because I like a lot of the theories that they have about the whole superhero story and I like that it's not really based on anything that we've already seen and it's not the same kind of factory-made superhero movie that we get. But I'm also just very much like, 
that's it. that's how they're going to end it. Even though M. Night Shyamalan saying this is the end of his trilogy, who knows if he wants to come out with another kind of like separate story between, say, Unbreakable and Split, or you know, before Split kind of thing. Or even afterwards too, because he did leave a little bit of an opening mm-hmm. afterwards where if he does decide to do something and kind of connect it, but completely different, it's still possible. It is. So I think with Glass, I guess I think when I first came out of the movie, I'm like, it's a five. Like there are some things I like about it, but there's something I don't like. And then the more I think about it, I'm like, okay, I'm giving it a six because and I'm sticking to that six, even though I'm still like, I don't exactly know what to think of this movie, if I like it or not, because there's so many different things that are good about it. And there's so many things that are bad about it. And before I forget, uh, the one thing that I really didn't like about it was the girl that plays Sam Jackson's mother is only five years younger than he is. Sam Jackson's 70, she's 65 in real life. Mm-hmm. And then for this movie, it's a bit distracting to see her wearing a wig and makeup like that and looking very close in age to Sam Jackson. And he's calling her mother or ma, mama, whatever that he calls her. And it's like, how? I can't really buy that. And I don't know if that's supposed to be intentionally comical or if it's just like, okay, you were the mother in the first one and now you're back, but you haven't aged really. Hey. Mm-hmm. Women age very gracefully. I, 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 didn't, I didn't mean for that to be... I know. <laughs> but, no, she she still looks the same age as he does. And yeah. he's he's got, like, this big frowy hair that's almost like Bride of Frankenstein kind of hair. Actually, it grew a little bit longer yeah, 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 than yeah. the first one. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been 10 years. Mm-hmm. So. No, it's actually been almost 20 because Unbreakable came out in 2000. Oh, gosh, I can't... I, I, don't, I don't know how to count. <laughs> but I will say, okay, for this movie, I'm sticking to my six. Even though I'm just like, I, I still don't know exactly how I feel about it. I give it a 7. Because even though there were a lot of things that I didn't like about it, there were still quite a bit that I do like as well. Like mm-hmm. you, it is a little bit split on that. But No, there you go again. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what made it a 7 for me is I would actually buy this. And I would actually maybe have one day a marathon of all three of them together at once. I can do the, see the thing is I can do the same thing even though I'm sticking to my six I can do the same thing on that because it's one of those things where you know I like Unbreakable I like Unbreakable now than I did 20 almost 20 years ago and Split I like the first time I saw it and then this one it's like I like it I do want to have them all kind of go together in one binge fest or over the course of three days or however many days to watch them all because it's a very interesting approach to the comic book story. It's really unique in that way. The performance by James McAvoy and even Sam Jackson's good to watch in mm-hmm. this too, when he does actually become more active in the part in the movie. And Bruce Willis in Glass is fine. I like I said, he's he's watchable and it is interesting to see that even the character from Unbreakable, his character well not just his character obviously, but then his son the kid that played his son in that movie came back as the... Now version of Now version of the son, <laughs> who's like, what, in his 20s, I think, uh, give or take? Mm-hmm. And they're running a camera shop, or...? So, um, security security system. system. Yeah, security system. So that was interesting to watch. And then you have the same mother from Unbreakable come back and play the same exact character. But like I said, she doesn't look like she should be his mother, though. But I don't know. That's, that's just how it is for me. I, like I said, I like a lot of this movie, but I also don't like a lot of this movie, and yet I'd watch it again. Hey, you never know in 
couple more years and watch it again, you may actually go to loving it. And that's how I've been for a couple of M. Night Shyamalan movies, apparently. Even though I haven't seen The Village, or I didn't even watch all of The Last Airbender or After Earth, because it was one of Don't those... Bother. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, Lady in the Water was another one. I'm just like, there's, inter- there, there's an interesting concept behind this, and... It's a children's story also that's more scary, but there are also some characters in that one that I just didn't like. And the thing with Shyamalan is he has great original ideas, but he's not a great scriptwriter. He's A lot of his dialogue is very clunky, and it kind of felt that way in class, too. Well, I will say that this is true on my Shyamalan style. You will get your twist. You will get Mm -hmm. your unexpected. Yes, for sure. All right, so that concludes our review of Glass, and that concludes this episode of Popcorn Movie. Thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye.